Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to just look straight at the verse. This is a wonderful time of year. We remember all, you know, all times of the year can be wonderful. This time we know the birth reminder is upon us. Now, obviously, the reality, the likelihood of being born in, him being born on December 25th, Jesus, of course, is very, very slim. But we like to think of it then, and we, it's a good thing to think, imagine, you know, the birth and try to get our minds around what that was like. And it's a very neat thing to do. And when, you know, when we think of the birth, what do we think of? We can be saved. Yay! That whoever called the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, the world through him might be saved. That's why he came. By his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. This is wonderful. You think it's wonderful? Yeah. This is great. Very good. Now you know I've got to go somewhere else from here, right? Yeah. We know this is good news. Jenny, is this good news? Great news. So the word I want to point out is saved sozo. And some of you are familiar with that expression, sozo. Sozo is a Greek, it comes from the Greek, it means saved. It's a wonderful thing. Now, <clears throat> last week I had the opportunity to speak on things that have or are in the midst of change in our lifetime. We've seen really a shifting that's gone on in uh, a number of things. How churches look, the aesthetics of churches, and how people think. And there's uh, this shift has gone on really very dramatically for us in our lifetimes. Uh, in the previous century in America, it didn't move nearly as fast as it has here in America in the last 20 years. So much about church or mentality, believer's mentality, has really been affected. And it's very shifting. We're in a shifting season. And there's lots and lots and lots of uh, statistics that uh, statisticians who have gone out and really tried to look at this. We know this because we can feel it. I think we can feel that society is changing. Can't we? So there's lots of effort around this. So when we say this is the time of year, we think of Jesus uh, coming so we can be saved. A lot of us, we go straight to this place of we go saved so we can go to heaven. Or we go saved so we can think of this wonderful time in, in glory land. You know, my uncle is in heaven now. Some of you have family members who have just even recently passed. And you think, man, praise God, they're in heaven. But there's so much more going on. There's so much more happening here than just being saved. So over the last, uh, probably the last 20 years, and we can, we can really validate that, there's been a real shifting in society for some other things that have been changing. And I went over some last week, but I want to go over some new ones this week. Just a few. We won't spend much time on this. Love, the term love has really changed. We used to have a much better sense of the term love uh, as an American in the 1990s, the early 1990s. We viewed love in one way, but the definition of love has really shifted. Uh, love it now means much more about tolerance, right? So there's been a shifting in that way. In the 90s, it wasn't about tolerance. Love was just more of love. I think even in churches, how they view the word love can be very confusing. You know, we're supposed to love everybody. But society defines that as tolerance, but the Bible doesn't define that kind of love as tolerance. So there can be a, a confliction sometimes in how that works. So that's one thing that's really changed. Uh, the golden rule of conversation has really been highlighted here in the last 20 years. What are the two things we're not supposed to talk about? Religion and politics. Religion and politics. 
It's unbelievable. We've really become, as a society, we've really become convinced. Those are two things that we should never talk about unless we're really sure of who's listening on the other end. And, uh, but that's not, you know, that's something that was a shift in churches. And we know this in churches, even in the 90s, people were much more uh, assertive about talking about religion or politics. But they're much more assertive, certainly, in talking about their faith. And that's started to, to dwindle. Uh, the role of faith uh, itself in children, and I talked a little bit about this last week, it's shifting quite a bit. Uh, it used to be where we just told our children uh, about nifty Bible stories, and, and that's not the case. Self-identification has really been uh, something that's been new for us. How many of you identify as um, cishets? Cishet, hopefully I'm saying that right. Does so anybody here identify, you have one identify as cishet? Anybody else? Okay, a cishet means you identify with your birth gender and you're heterosexual. How many of you identify with cishet? <laughs> Self-identification has really become something very different, even in just 20 years. The, the understanding, the concept of self-identification in the 1990s was uh, not really there. It wasn't on the radar very much. And then it's really changed just over these last few years. Lots and lots of uh, self-identification changes, not just with uh, gender and sexual identity uh, in society, right? But also in terms of age. There's been a number of lawsuits where people say, I don't feel my age. I want to change my, uh, my birth date to the age I feel. So... <laughs> Some people, and this is true, they've actually gone and, and, and tried to bring lawsuits in their own municipality because they've, they wanted to be older and apply for Social Security. And there's also been people who have tried to go younger because they feel younger. So self-identification isn't just about what gets the press always in the news, but we're also we're starting to see it in terms of age. There was a man in, uh, actually in Michigan, he identifies, he's a 50-something-year-old man, he identifies as six-year-old, his age is important, as a six-year-old girl. Okay, so his age is an important piece of it, not just the gender, but his age. And he uh, was upset because he's not being treated like a six-year-old girl. Well, age, so self-identification is starting to cross into a, a whole world of things. And 20 years ago, it wasn't there. Not like this. So it's a big shift for us. And of course, we know the Bible has very strong statements about all of that stuff. Self-identification versus being made, born with an identity is uh, those two things can, uh, they can fight. They can rumble every now and then. And the Lord says, he knows us. We have identity when we're born. So self-identification that comes later is, is uh, it's difficult to get, it's, you, know, you know where I'm going now with this. That's, that's a different conversation for a different day. But that day is coming. Um, the growing clash, and I've talked about this from time to time, I think it's really important for us to be aware of this. And in the 90s, it was not very much on a believer's radar like it is today. This perceived clash, there's clash, that science and faith cannot coexist. There are a lot of people who are pro-science that say, I'm science, I don't, I don't believe in faith. And there's a lot of people with faith who don't believe in science. I don't understand that. I think science is very cool. I don't understand why we can't be both. The science will always come back and substantiate faith. And what we believe the Lord did, it's uncanny that way. It just takes a little time. Science is a process. But for some reason, uh, it, since the, from the 90s to today, 
there's been a shift. I'll tell you something else there's been an interesting shift on. It's what people want from the Lord. It used to be in the 90s and before the 90s, they wanted salvation. We could go to somebody and say, do you want to get saved? And they would say, yeah, yeah. I want to be saved. Or we might say it differently. We might say, would you like to have a great retirement plan and make sure that you get into heaven when you die? Yeah. I, 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 I used to use that approach a lot when I would share faith. A lot. And I had many, many, many people. Many people come to, many people I led to the Lord. And I'm not saying that as like an exclamation. I'm saying that that was the time and that's what people were looking for. In the 80s, it was like that. In the 70s, I'm sure 100 years ago it was like that. It was a very cool thing. But that's shifting now. It's not what people are looking for anymore. Do you know what they're looking for now? They're looking for the other half of the definition of the word sozo. So when Jesus came that the world might be saved, that's true. But there's another half of that word. There's another half definition of the word. And we're going to look at it. We're going to look at it uh, in one passage, and then we'll look at it in a couple other quick-hitting passages. Go ahead, Dylan. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole. There you go. The other half of the word sozo. Make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. Friends, keep your prayers for us. Greet all the followers of Jesus there with a holy embrace. Make sure that this letter uh, gets read. So the word, though, is whole. People today are looking for something that makes them whole. And it sounds like such a small thing. It's humongous. 47%. 47%. Of the people out there, it's not about salvation anymore. It's about being whole. And most of those people are Gen Xers and Millennials. Almost half of the Millennial and X population deal with uh, anxiety. They're not so interested in, in what's coming in the afterlife. They want help right now, right now, right now, right now. Let's look at the next one. Here we see... Jesus doing, now these are physical healings, but it's the same sozo word. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Well is sozo. It's that whole. It comes back to whole. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made whole. Sozo. Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you sozo. Whole. What he desires to do, half of why he walked the earth was the afterlife, right? So our future plan, but the other half was for us with him today. You put that together, it's an eternal relationship. Somewhere, somewhere from the 90s to 2019, I'm not sure that the believers community, that churches across America, changed their message. I think a lot of people in churches still think that they should talk about salvation for the afterlife. In other words, if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, and I want to tell them the wonderful virtues of the Lord, I think a lot of people are still holding on to, let me just tell you about heaven. Can I tell you about heaven? And I, honestly, I think one of the shifts that's gone on in society is people don't want to just hear about heaven anymore. There's shows about, um, 
Have you seen commercials? I'm not going to ask you if you've seen the show. Have you seen the commercials for a show called The Good Place? I think a lot of people know about heaven. I don't think people have any idea that Jesus came to help them today. I don't even think it's on their radar. And I think there's a lot of believers that don't think about Jesus looking to help us today. They think, I've got to be good so I can get into heaven. Jesus came for us to have sozo, salvation in heaven, and a whole life today. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to have difficult times. A whole life doesn't mean uh, no difficulties. A whole life means a place to go when we have our difficulties. That's it. If we walk around, if we're listening to people talk about how difficult their life is, we know we have sozo answer. We know we have a wholeness answer. There is a wholeness answer. It's not just eternity. Now, along with the shift of uh, these other things that I went over earlier, there's also a shift going on in terms of what people think they should say. In 1990, it used to be Nine out of ten believers thought it was their mission to tell people about the Lord. Now it's only seven of ten. They think it's the, the, the three out of ten that don't tell people about the Lord, they don't think it's their job anymore. They think it's the church's job. And it's almost half out of ten of millennials and Xers don't tell people about the Lord. They think it's the church's job. It is not the church's job. It is not. Not as far as our corporate time. It's us. It's you. It's the person on your left, the person on your right. It's one in front of you. Who's going to tell them? So there's a, there's a, there's a very difficult... Uh, we also have a lot of statistics that are telling us that people don't want to tell somebody of another religion about the Lord. So if somebody is a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or... A, Hindu or Muslim, a Jew, they don't want to tell them about the Lord because they think, oh, no, they got their thing, I got my thing. That's not very polite. Do you know the first disciples that went out, that went to communities like Ephesus and Corinth and Philippi? They were all other religion areas. They told everybody of other religions because those religions are false. Those religions aren't going to take them to the same God, the same heaven. They're not going to give them wholeness on the earth. They're false. Somewhere along the line, in the last 20 years, we started drinking this Kool-Aid as a whole unit. We started drinking this Kool-Aid thinking we can't tell anybody that ours is the right and the only road for wholeness. It's heavy, isn't it? So we've got to look at Jesus in this. There's nobody, this is why he came. This is why he came. So what did he do? Go ahead, Dylan. Jesus related... In these four instances, I just want to, I, I think we can identify, I think all of us can identify with these, one of, at least one of these four things. He understood loneliness. What's funny about this verse in Isaiah, this is before he walked the earth, it was prophesied. When the Messiah comes, he under, the Messiah is going to be lonely. I'm using my word lonely. The Messiah is going to be rejected and abandoned and alone. There is nobody that understands loneliness better than Jesus. There is nobody that understands loneliness better than Jesus. It was part of what he was going to be when he came, and when he came, sure enough, he had a lonely experience. Everything about what he had to do was lonely. Nobody on the face of the earth understood him. Literally, nobody on the face of the earth understood Jesus. He's coming to bring hope, and all he got was killed for it. 
In talking with the women, uh, he talks with a woman caught in adultery. This is a very dramatic time. And he's outside, and some people catch a woman in adultery. You know, they catch her in the, the act. It's funny, they never say anything about the man, do they? They catch the woman in the act of adultery. The man, whatever, he goes wherever he goes. They pull this woman out. She's in the act of adultery. I don't even know if she's fully dressed. This is a dramatic moment. They catch her, and they bring her down, and they're, they're trying to get Jesus to, to say something dumb and to trip up on, on some lingo, and they say, all right, Jesus, what should we do to this woman? Should we stone her? This is my paraphrase. But even then, Jesus is very kind and gracious. And even then, Jesus doesn't condemn her. So the, this first situation, understanding loneliness, is just how he was as a person. The second one, he has somebody intentionally try and thwart him. Have you ever had anybody intentionally try and thwart your faith? Jesus did not fail. He came back with a very loving, non-judgmental response. He didn't judge the leaders and he, that brought her, and he didn't judge the woman. He just said, knock it off. But he said it to her, and they all left. Man. The third one, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's well-trained. He knows his Bible very, very well. Anybody ever been challenged by somebody who knows their Bible? That's what happened with Nicodemus. He knows his Bible. He wants to know. He gets to Jesus. He goes to him after dark. After dark. You know, they didn't have streetlights back then. So I can picture, I just can picture Nicodemus shuffling his way, figuring, going to where Jesus was, and he asks Jesus a question. They have this epic conversation in John 3. And it's a mind-blowing conversation. But you know what? Jesus doesn't judge him. Jesus doesn't do anything mean. Jesus was very blunt. At the start of the conversation, Jesus said, if you are not born again, you will not experience the kingdom of heaven. Which, by the way, doesn't start when we're dead. We're born again. When does it start? When we're born again. Amen? Amen? The wholeness starts when we're born again. It's a journey. starts when we're born again. So Jesus says it very bluntly. If you're not born again, you will not experience the kingdom of heaven. And he's saying this to a religious man. But he was not mean. He was not malicious. And what's fascinating, just like the woman caught in adultery, and just like with Nicodemus, we don't see where both of them were, were, became believers. He just took the conversation he had at the time. He didn't jam anything at anybody. He knew it was okay to walk away. Which brings us to our third, meeting Samaritan woman at the well. This is a, I know this is a well-read passage. I understand that many of you might be familiar with this passage. But I want to look at it in terms of Jesus relating. Go ahead. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus is sitting at a well. Samaritan woman comes and draws water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman's surprised. You know, we've got, let, let, let me just use today's lingo. Today, we've got racial challenges in our society. Is that true? Anybody think we do not have any racial challenges? Okay, so we're all living on the same planet together. We have racial challenges in our society. At this time, and by the way, it still happens today. I've, I've, I've actually experienced this. At this time, Jesus is sitting at the well. He's a Jew. And a Samaritan woman comes over, and he asks somebody from another culture for some water. And she's surprised because they, they wouldn't even talk to each other. And he initiated the conversation with somebody. They wouldn't even talk. Now there is, and I'm not going to go into the, obviously there's some religions that don't want to mix. 
Uh, and I don't want to go through and, and list all these religions, but I can tell you, I'll use, I will pick on one. In Orthodox Judaism, and ultra-Orthodox Judaism especially, uh, the men won't always look at the women or even talk to the women, and the women won't talk to the men. So if I'm walking down the road and I see uh, some Jewish, some ultra-Orthodox women and some ultra-Orthodox men, if I talk to the crowd, the men will answer, the woman will, will not answer or vice versa. It depends on their strain of orthodoxy, but they, uh, of the ultra-orthodoxy, but they won't, it'll impact how they respond to me. Should they respond? Should they not respond? And that was at the time of Jesus as well, between Samaritans and Jews. So when Jesus asked her something, he spoke way beyond what's even understood. She's re she is surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do. You know, it's not like Jesus wasn't trying to crack into her society. Jews wouldn't, hang, wouldn't have anything to do with Samaritans. He was actually going to her. He was crossing over the Jewish issues, not the Samaritan issues. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift of God. See, all of a sudden, he takes the conversation to something that's real. He starts the conversation, takes it to something real. If you only knew the gift that God has for you, if you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. He took it to something real, something that she understood, something that was on her radar. Go ahead, Dylan. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water I will, uh, I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I love her response. But then I especially, we're going to read her response, but I really love what Jesus says next. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have come to come here to get any water. He doesn't give it to her. He doesn't give it to her. He doesn't tell her all the answers. You see that? It's not just about cranking out numbers for salvations. It's about speaking in a way that brings wholeness today. He said, go get your husband. He continued the conversation. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. This woman, not only was she a Samaritan, but look at her background. At a time like that, that's a, that's a crazy background. I mean, today we've seen all kinds of actors and actresses who have been married five or six times, and we think it's kind of funny. Oh, they're on another one. <laughs> At that time, that was radical. What kind of person was she? He didn't care. And he took the conversation that was about her life today. Wholeness today. If we don't see it as our burden to tell people about the Lord, who's going to tell them? Who's going to? They're not going to come in church because it's Christmas. That goes away. People stop going to church because it's Christmas. They, that is a fact. Uh, church attendance on Christmas and Easter has been going down. So who's going to bring them in? Who's going to tell them? It's not just about eternal life. If I'm talking to a baby boomer or a builder, the generation older than the boomers, I can talk about eternal life. But most people out there, they want, they want to know about right now, right today. My life is hard, they think. I am alone. Nobody understands what it's like to be alone. I don't feel whole. I need help. I have a lot of ang uh, anxiety. 
good news for you. And we don't have to, we do not, when we talk with the Lord, we don't have to take them all to the finish line that day. All we have to do, tell them bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. Isn't that wonderful? Now, a lot of it goes to how we see Jesus ourselves. And if we don't see him as somebody who helps us day by day by day, it's going to be very difficult for us to tell other people about how wonderful he is day by day by day. So I just really want to encourage you. It's another message, but I want to encourage you to think of how you see Jesus. Do you see him as day by day by day by day? Or do you see him as your retirement plan? He is much more than a retirement plan. He really is. He is about wholeness. He is about sozo right now. Right now. Not, not just at the end. He's the real deal. I was think, thinking about the songs we were singing today in worship. As we were going through them, I was just kind of meditating the words in terms of the wholeness. And I was thinking of how do we see him. And a lot of the songs that we sing talk about his glorious and, and, and his brilliance and the width of who he is. But you know, I got to tell you, when I drive home today, I really want him right now. I'll be praying for my dad. I, I want Jesus to be interceding for my dad. I, I want, I want uh, you know, I pray for my family and the loss of my uncle. Some of you have had losses. I've got, I know a number of folks, including in this room, who have had some job issues. Some of you are just lonely up to your eyeballs. You're just lonely beyond lonely beyond lonely. You might be married and feel lonely. You might be alone and feel lonely. So is so. Seek him. Go in your room, close your door, and just start talking to him. You will have a breakthrough in your life. Maybe not in the first 30 seconds of talking to him, but just seek him every day. I will, I'm telling you, you will see God move in your life. The people who don't seek him generally think of God as this most wonderful retirement plan. And that's only half of Sozo. So I just want to encourage you, in this season, let this be a season that we mimic the greatest evangelist that ever lived. The one who brought wholeness. Let us tell other people of the wholeness he brings. Not just the eternal life that he brings. Are you with me? Some of you, I I believe that some of you in here are looking for details on the wholeness. I really do. I believe there's some of you in here who are really struggling to understand wholeness. And you want a wholeness in your life. I want to encourage you to find either your home group leader or me or one of the other folks who are going to be here after service and just say, tell me about wholeness. And they're going to tell you. And if they can't do it today, they'll hook up with you and they'll find a time that you two of you can talk about it and making wholeness real. Because wholeness is real. I'm sure that some of you in here are struggling trying to get wholeness. That's all right. We go through that from time to time in life. That's called life. But we have the sozo. Amen? Amen. So please stand up and we'll pray. You know, so much of our walk with God is a step out. By the way, I'm going to tell you one other thing. I should say this. I think this is wonderful news. More than any other time in our known history of, uh, of hard, so we'll say in the last 50 years, okay? In the last 50 years. There is a pure hunger from atheists and agnostics who are interested in talking about religion. 
Can you believe that? I'm going to say that again. There's a peer hunger from atheists and agnostics that want to talk about religion. Do you know who they want to talk with? Yep, believers. They want to talk with believers. They don't want to go into a church. The most of them are very cynical of churches. But they find their believer friends, and this is a lot of statistics for this, they find their believer friends as credible. Take advantage of the credibility. Fire up a conversation with the agnostics and the atheists. Tell them. A lot of them are going to have Christmas this year. They don't even know why. Ask them if they understand what wholeness is. Fire of conversation. Fascinating. And for as much flack that millennials get, they're the most hungry generation. The least hungry generation is the generation above the boomers. Isn't that something to think about? The builders are least interested in talking about the Lord. They're the ones who are most familiar with church life. Boomers are second least interested. Yeah, yeah, Xers. Because we're right on the heels of the millennials. We're also very interested in talking about it. Pow! I see one of you doing X. Can we just do this? How many of you are Xers? Gen X? A lot of glorious saints. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your sozo. We thank you not just for that retirement plan, that salvation, but we thank you for the wholeness. We long for the wholeness, Lord. We long to grow more whole, kind of on this journey. And I know it's a a live word. I know there's a lot more to it than just how I'm saying it today, Lord, but we're longing to get more of you. Lord, we ask for help with these conversations. We look to represent what you've done and how you've shared, that we would be good ambassadors, good examples, good in dialogue. It's nerve-wracking because we don't feel like we have the answers, Lord, but you're with us anyway. Thank you for that. Help us do right by you out there, sharing of our faith, sharing of the wonderful blessings that you bring. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for this house and my friends here. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Wholeness. Yeah? Yeah. Sozo. Be blessed. Remember, if you're looking for the wholeness discussions, come on up or talk to your home group leader. Have a good week. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.